time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Happy spring to you. I hope wherever you are that it's sunny and it's shining and the snow is melting. We actually had snow here yesterday. It snowed in April. That's ridiculous here in the Ozarks, but you know, like they say in many other parts of the country, if you don't like the weather, hang around for a few minutes. It'll certainly change on you, and things do change, and we change. In fact, it's not just the, the earth and the weather. It's us. We're constantly changing in our lives, and you know, as we change and as we go through different seasons of life, one of the most important questions that we ask ourselves is, what about my salvation? Does my salvation change? Does my standing before God change you know, not long ago, I was speaking at a church, and I was at the book table, and this wonderful lady came up, and she was commenting about something. She said, I have a question for you. She said, what about these Christians, these people who claim to be Christians that never live the the life that God has called them to live? She said, you know, I personally think they've lost their salvation. What do you think? You know, that's a very important question, because a lot of Christians ask themselves the question, is quote, once saved, always saved, end quote. Does that really apply? You know, I've spoken in churches where they don't believe that you keep your salvation. And really, what's what's the point? I mean, how, how do you know that you keep your salvation? I mean, after all, we all sin, right? I mean, have you ever really wondered, have you ever thought, hey, is there that one sin that if I do it, God's going to say, eh, we're going to renege on this contract. Is there something I could do that would cause God to make me lose my salvation? Is there a season of sin I can go through in my life as a Christian that God will just say, you know what, I could put up with that for three weeks, but you went three weeks in a day, and so we're done here. I'm, I'm withdrawing my offer of salvation. Can you lose your salvation? That's a very, very important question. And, you know, typically when people talk about this, they... They bring up some passages of Scripture that appear to teach that you actually can lose your salvation. And one of them is over in Galatians chapter 5. And Paul is dealing with these Judaizers, these Phariseeistic teachers who have come in and they have taught the Galatians that faith in Jesus is not enough. You have to... You have to add one more thing to your salvation. I'm going to quickly deal with two passages that appear to teach that you can lose your salvation, okay? So this Galatians passage is the, is the first one, and he's going through these, these uh, arguments here, Paul is, about how to know whether or not you're saved, and he's saying if you add anything to faith in Christ and his payment for you, then he says, your salvation is worthless. It doesn't, it didn't take, you know, it's counterfeit money, right? And the verse that people typically use is down in verse four of Galatians five. It says, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Whoa. Well, that's just right there in black and white, right? Just, just saying you can be severed from Christ, you can fall from grace. What does that mean? Well, when interpreting the Bible, we have to understand a particular verse 
in light of the immediate context in which it appears. In other words, what's the environment of what's going on here? What's the context of Paul's argument here? And what Paul's trying to say is that these Judaizers who want to add something to salvation by doing that, by adding circumcision to salvation or some keeping of the law, he says, you've disqualified yourself from being saved by grace. You're, see, we're, we're all theoretically, okay, we are all under this kind of umbrella of we can all be saved, right? But what Paul is saying here is that when you, when you add something to salvation, a requirement to salvation, you take yourself out of the line of those who are in line to be saved. You take yourself out, of the, out from under the umbrella of grace, and you have to be under grace to be saved. But if you add law to something, you're no longer under grace. So what Paul's basically saying is, is that you have disqualified yourselves. You, you are eligible for salvation as long as you come by grace. But once you add one thing to salvation, one work, one deed you have to do, you've disqualified yourself. You're out of the race. And that's what these words severed from Christ means. That's what it means to say fall from grace. You're falling from being able to be saved by grace. So who can't be saved? I'll tell you who can't be saved. People who want to come to God on their own terms. People want to come to God and add something to their salvation, whether it's baptism or, or obedience or church membership. Nothing can save you except for what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. So away with this teaching in Galatians 5 that says you can lose your salvation. These people uh, were not Christians. They were trying to be justified by the law. The second passage, real quickly, that people typically cite is in Hebrews chapter 6. And this passage uh, says this. It says, for in this case of those who have been once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been, been made uh, partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the word of God and of the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now, if you believe that this passage teaches that you can lose your salvation, then you also must admit, according to verse 6, that once you lose your salvation, you can never get it back again. Because it says in verse 6, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. So you're in a bit of a quandary here if you say that passage teaches that you can lose your salvation because it means you can never, ever be saved. So if you were ever saved and, and then you got unsaved, you can't be saved again. Well, that sucks, right? So what is that passage really teaching? Well, if you look at the words closely here, and, and in the context, once again, the context of not just the passage, but of the whole book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews is all about telling the Jewish people that now these people who have been exposed to the gospel, who've been exposed to grace, who've been exposed to Christians, who've been under the ambience of the church and who have, have witnessed the Holy Spirit and salvation in the lives of these people. And just like the case of an unbelieving spouse in 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul talks about how a, a believing spouse can have a sanctifying influence on, a, on an unbelieving spouse, doesn't mean they're saved, but there's a sanctifying influence. That's the idea here. You've, once you've been exposed to the church and the preaching of the gospel and the truth, 
then you have been, as this verse says, enlightened. You have knowledge now that normal unsaved people don't have. It also says you've tasted of the heavenly gift. You've been able to, to sample. You know, like these samplers you get at restaurants, you know? You're not eating the full meal, but you're getting a sample of it, right? So you get this little tasting platter of salvation by being around Christians. And it says even been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. You've even been blessed by what the Holy Spirit has done. You may have even been uh, under some sort of conviction of the Holy Spirit. But in this passage, there is not one mention of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, it says in verse 5, they've tasted the good word of God. This is the same person here. They've even been exposed to the powers of the age to come. You see, that's a very dangerous place to be as a non-Christian to have been exposed to the gospel who know Christians. You know, the person who's going to really suffer, I believe, the most in hell are those people who are around the gospel, around Christians, around Christianity for most of their lives because they had multiple upon multiple chances to come to faith in Jesus and yet they refused the grace of God. They refused the grace of God. And that's who this, this passage is talking about are these Jews because Christianity came to the Jews first, right? And there was a huge uh, influx of, of salvation among the Jews. And it began there at Pentecost. 3,000 were saved, right? And so what Paul, or excuse me, what the, the author of Hebrews, I want to, always want to say it's Paul. It just makes sense. But I don't believe Paul wrote Hebrews. But anyway, the author of Hebrews, what he's saying is that you put yourself on hugely thin ice. I mean, major league thin ice. When you reject the gift that you've been exposed to. So if you're listening to this broadcast right now, and you are not a Christian, then I urge you, do not play fast and loose with your soul. You are going to die and spend eternity in hell unless you respond to the truth that's been given to you. And my friend, that's not a scare tactic. That's looking you eyeball to eyeball and telling you the truth about reality. Don't play around with salvation. You either believe in Jesus and follow him or you don't. But right now, even if you're listening to this broadcast, you're being exposed to an enlightenment and the taste of the heavenly gift. And even the Holy Spirit could be working through your heart and you're tasting of the word of God right now. Don't fall away from that, he says. Because if you do, you know what's going to happen? If you fall away from that, if you completely reject that, then it takes you in that same place as those Judaizers in Galatians. You are removing yourself out from under the possibility of being saved. It is impossible to renew you to repentance. You know, say, is there an unpardonable sin? Well, the unpardonable sin is, from a practical standpoint, is rejecting Christ for a lifetime. That can't be forgiven because there are no second chances in eternity. I mean, the unpardonable sin, according to Jesus, was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, attributing to the Holy Spirit works of the devil. That's blasphemy. And what that does, that reveals something in the heart. It's not just saying that and with your mouth. It reveals a state of mind in your heart that your mind is, is so totally depraved and being given over to sin that literally there's no chance of you being saved. Now, I don't know who that, those people are, so I don't judge that in people. Only God knows. But there is a state where you cross a line where you're, you're, you're not going to be saved. 
And the reason you're not going to be saved is because you have made the choice not to respond to the light of the gospel that has been given to you. Once again, I don't know where that is in a person's life. And, and, and you don't either. Only God does. That's between them and God. But it says right here that it will be impossible for you to be renewed to, to repentance. And in Galatians 5, it will say, you have removed yourself from, from qualification to be able to be saved. So those are two passages that people use to talk about whether or not you can lose salvation. You cannot lose a salvation that you never had. Okay? So a lot of these people... From my perspective, and again, this is this is totally up to, to God to judge this, but a person who who never acts as if they're saved quite probably was, was never saved to begin with. Because when Jesus Christ enters a person's life, there there is a change. Now, it may not be a radical change for everyone in the same degree, but there's going to be a change, and it begins from the inside out. So you say, all right, Jeff, so, so, so what is the... Uh, What's the scriptural evidence that once we are saved, that we will continue to be saved? Well, let me begin by giving you a quote by, by, um, by John MacArthur. John MacArthur says, if it were possible for you to lose your salvation, you would lose your salvation. Think about that. If there's any chance that any of us could lose our salvation, I guarantee you every one of us would lose our salvation. You know why? Because we're, we're sinners because we're fallen creatures, because we sin, because we continue to mess up and to fail. So let's talk about now the scriptural evidence for why once you are truly saved, once you place saving faith in Jesus Christ, that that salvation never, ever leaves you. Let me give you four or five or six main reasons, and we're not going to finish this today. We'll finish this up on Friday, so don't forget Friday's uh, podcast. Here's the first one. The first reason is because of the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, this is what John writes. He says, And he himself, speaking of Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. It's not just us, us Christians locally. It's for others across the whole world. Now, you say propitiation. I guarantee you, you probably not use that word in a sentence or in a conversation with anyone this year. Maybe not for your entire life. Propitiation, what does that mean? Is that something that a lawyer does when he draws up a contract? Well, no, but here's what it means. The word propitiation refers to the satisfaction that God the Father had when Jesus Christ made his payment on the cross. In other words, God the Father, God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He demands that sin be paid for. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, in essence, he was making a payment. He was suffering the penalty for our sin. And he spent on that six hours on the cross the equivalent of an eternity in hell for every sin that you've ever committed or that I've ever committed, or that anyone that's going to be saved has ever committed in their whole life, compacted in that six-hour time. Propitiation means, it's a word that refers to the mercy seat, where, where in the Old Testament they sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. Well, when Christ made that payment on the cross, he atoned for our sins. When God saw that payment, 
And Jesus then said, it is finished, telestai, which is a Greek term that means paid in full. The debt sin has been paid in full. Then that's it. When I was in uh, graduate school and graduate seminary, we had to uh, take out a loan every year to pay for our seminary. And, And Dallas Seminary is an expensive seminary. And so it was a huge bill. And so I spent the summers working to pay back that bill before I began the next fall semester. Why? Because the seminary had a policy that you couldn't begin the next semester until your previous semester was paid off. There were no long-term student loans back then. And that's a good thing, by the way. But so I spent like sometimes 80, sometimes 90 hours a week during that summer, sweating on the back of a truck, unloading furniture, putting stuff together in high rises in downtown Dallas. I did whatever it took to pay that bill. And then before I began the next semester, I received a document from my bank, from Swiss Avenue Bank in Dallas, Texas. And on that document, it literally said paid in full. You know what that means? That means that Swiss Avenue Bank could not come knocking on my door or calling on my phone and asking me for a single penny. Why? Because the debt had already been paid. They have no right to ask me to pay for my sin. Guess what? The Bible says that Jesus Christ paid our debt in full. He is the propitiation, the payment. He is the satisfaction of our sins towards God. And so God, when he accepts that payment, he cannot ask us to pay for any more sins eternally. Because it's been paid in full. I mean, God, is by his own word, he's bound himself to that agreement. Let me give you another verse. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says this, talking about Christ. It says, Hence also, therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So working in reverse in in that verse, It means that as long as Christ is making intercession for us before God, pleading our case before God, symbolically, eternally, before the Father, then we will be saved forever. Well, it says here he always lives to make intercession for us. Okay, so if Jesus is never going to stop making intercession for you before the Father, there's a pretty good chance you're never going to lose your salvation. Why? Because it says he is able to save you forever. And he does that because of Christ's sacrifice. How about Romans 5.1? It says, therefore, we have uh, now we have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Justification means to be declared righteous before God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Because when when salvation occurs, there is a righteous transaction. Christ got our sin at the cross. We get his righteousness at salvation. Righteousness is not withdrawn from us because we are justified. It's a completed past action that never changes. That's what that word means. How about Romans 8.1? It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. You know what that means? It means that God's not going to ask you to pay for your sin because he can never, ever condemn you for that sin. Why? Because he already condemned Christ for it. He can't make 
payment for sin twice. Jesus can't pay for your sin. And God say, oh, that's it, paid in full. I don't need any more payment. And then turn around and say, but I want you to pay for it in eternity. That's not how it works. I heard this story about a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. This pilot, Henry Dempsey, was flying in this jet, and he heard this small jet, and he heard this strange noise coming from the rear of the plane. So, of course, he was concerned. So he turned around. He goes back to the rear of the plane, turns the controls over to the co-pilot, and goes back to check it out, right? So, But as he reached the tail section of the plane, the, the plane hit an air pocket, and he was thrown out the rear door of the plane. The co-pilot saw the red light on the, the, the indication on the dashboard panel there that indicated that uh, there was an open door in the back of the plane. So immediately he radioed the nearest airport and requested an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane, and he asked that a helicopter be dispatched to search the area of the ocean where they were flying over. But they didn't have to search for long. Airport officials, as the plane began to make its landing, spotted Henry Dempsey. You know where he was? He was holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow, as he was being as he was sucked out of the plane, he had managed to catch the ladder and hold on to it for ten minutes as the plane flew some two hundred miles an hour at an altitude of four thousand feet, and while the jet was landing, he had to keep his head up so that he wouldn't hit the runway, which was just twelve inches away from his head. Not surprisingly, it took airport personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers from the ladder. You know what? Sometimes we think that's what salvation is like. That I hit this air pocket in my life, I get thrown out by some sin, and I've got to hold on for dear life. It's up to me and my grip on God to keep my salvation. I got news for you, friends. That's not salvation. That's works. That's human effort. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross for your sins was enough. And God says, because I said so. That's how you know that. Hey, on Friday, we're going to cover three more incredible reasons why you can never lose your salvation. You don't want to miss this thing. I'll talk to you on Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.